Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university, focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. Building construction development have seemingly not slowed even a little bit during this pandemic and during the political season. I'm Chris William and welcome again to the most widely watched and longest running program on Carolina business policy and public affairs. We will unpack and take a closer look at building construction and development across North and South Carolina. It's pretty spectacular. We start with a panel of experts right after this. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Andy Andrews of Dominion Realty Partners, LLC, David Lockwood from Collier's International South Carolina, Robert Hughes of Hughes Development Corporation, Seppi Saidi of Seppi Inc., and Dan Doyle of The Beach Company. And welcome to our program. Uh, this is an interesting industry, not because it doesn't mean something in the Carolinas, but because it's almost been antithetical to not just the public health care crisis that's gone on and the loss of momentum in other industries, but on the other side of this, commercial development and construction has been exceptional. And that's probably an understatement. Joining us now are five experts in that field. Some have been on the program, some are newcomers, but I'm going to, in general, say welcome to you all. Seppi, let, let, let me start with you. Sefi, the obvious question around commercial development, construction, building is why has this been so strong and are you in a bubble? Is this a bubble in the business? Well, um, Chris, uh, thank you for having me on the show again. It's always a pleasure. And um, the background that you see in my um, picture, it's not a actual, it's a real, real background. I'm in, in my office in downtown Raleigh, and that is a hotel that's being built in this side of the uh, building. And actually, if you walk around our office building, in each one of our views, there's a construction going on in downtown Raleigh. And so the, the construction has been strong. I don't believe it's a bubble because um, I think that it depends on the market. It depends on the state you're in. It depends on the economy of that particular region. I don't say that it's going to be as strong everywhere in the United States mm -hmm. for a very long time. I think it's going to stay strong in North Carolina, especially in our urban areas. 
in Raleigh, in Charlotte, um, even in Wilmington, we're busy in uh, other markets that are strong in North Carolina because of the unique economy we have. Dan, as you sit down in the low country, I mean, you've got to think Charleston is a bubble to some degree. Is that inaccurate to say? Um, not entirely inaccurate, but uh, really, when you look at Charleston in much of the Southeast, and we, we in many of the different markets, we have such an in-migration of population right now that that really the only way to keep up with it is to add new housing, new office, new retail. Hospitality is at the forefront of, of our local economy here in Charleston. Mm -hmm. um, so that continues. So, so I don't see it as a bubble. Um, I think some of the market factors that will, that will become more of an issue going forward are the pressures on the construction trades and the cost to build. You know, that will translate directly into the cost to rent, the cost to own, and uh, the cost of other goods and services. So, so if, if, there is, if there is pressure, it's pressure on, on the ability to get new projects delivered. Uh, it's not so much on the demand side. Mm -hmm. Andy, Robert, David? Yeah, the way we look at it is, I think, depending on what sector you're in, Chris, uh, for us, uh, the office sector, there's not a lot of ground up office starting right now. What's being delivered was started in late 18, 19. So we see some of that finishing up. The office leasing has taken a pause during the pandemic, whereas we see a lot of apartments they're still uh, robust in their lease up because we've got a lot of people moving from the north down here during the pandemic because they just didn't have to be up in the office space. So we see it as a as a as really the Sunbelt being a growth sector uh, with some you know transitioning coming from the north, companies moving down here, determining that they don't have to live um, in the big cities anymore. They can spread out their companies and uh, move to the Triangle and. Charlotte and some of the bigger cities like, you know, that we're in. So we feel good about it. Uh, the cost is an issue. Uh, interest rates are helping uh, that in a lot of areas. But, you know, lenders are getting very difficult to deal with today. Their LTVs have gotten a lot lower. And so that's causing a lot of developments to pause right now, whereas we were getting 70% LTVs. Now they're talking in the 55% range. So we're seeing a lot of that causing developments to slow at this moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to, to follow that, uh, Chris, with, with what Andy and Dan said, I, I think we will see some price pressures, but quite frankly, with the optimism of companies moving, and certainly we know residents are moving. We know that people are moving to South Carolina. The residential industry and the second home market is just bursting at the seams right now. So we know there's people coming. We know that there'll be businesses coming. And, and I've got to believe that that people will begin to expect to pay a lot more for retail space, for office space, and certainly for the industrial market that's on fire right now. The, the real challenge will be what we are accustomed to in North Carolina and South Carolina as a low cost of real estate. We're gonna see real estate cost increasing. And so we'll have the local markets that are accustomed to low cost, whereas the out of town people coming in are expecting higher cost. 
And so that's where the real challenge is going to be. How do we get our North Carolina, South Carolina companies to realize that there's going to be a rise in cost of, mm -hmm. of occupancy of any type of real estate? Robert, I want to bring you in because, you know, Hughes has been out, out in front of a lot of what's going on in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, et cetera. And you, of course, you got a toehold in Columbia as well. But this idea that and this is not very eloquent, forgive me for it, but the idea that in, in migration is going to bail out and forgive a lot of developmental sins, um, how, is that true? Is that an accurate way to say it? Is that just you, you get in the way of development and you, you know, you've got to have some talent, but is the growth just coming and you've got to be there? I think the point that Andy made that you know, banks are getting a little tighter, uh, but they've been tight through basically this entire cycle. Uh, I mean, yes, there's been a perception of overbuilding, but I can't really point to a product type pre-pandemic that hasn't really, that hasn't worked. If you look at the deals that have been done, pretty much everything that's been built, and I've said, I don't know how that deal works, and then sure enough, it works. And so the pandemic has certainly accelerated the trends that, that we were, everyone was calling for in the market, uh, you know, the change of retail environment, uh, migration from a higher tax uh, higher cost of living states into better quality of life, lower cost of living states like North and South Carolina. Those trends have just been accelerated. And I don't know that I've seen the sins, uh, Chris, that you just mentioned. I think I've seen a lot of people take some pretty big risks, but the banks have been pretty calculated. It might've been getting a little frothy towards, uh, towards the beginning of the pandemic, but the, the banks have been, at least in our experience, um, pretty firm on what they're willing to do and, and haven't made some of the same errors that were made in the last uh, recession and, and leading up to the last recession. I don't think liquidity and capital ever reach. And I, granted, I was not deep into business at that point in my career, but it doesn't feel like the capital was just pouring in at really risky rates leading up to COVID. So uh, I, I don't know that I've seen exactly the, again, the sins that, that you mentioned. And this is a broad general question. How, how does COVID, how does the public health care crisis rethink the way, CEPI, rethink the way that you might design or deploy an idea to develop a project? Um, I'm going to chime in on the previous question quickly, and then I'll, I'll okay. give you my opinion. I think that North Carolina and South Carolina are such an attractive market for um, developers for uh, folks coming in, as, as David and Andy, Robert, and then everybody alluded to, um, we are going to have a major flux of individuals wanting to live in our states because of many amenities we have. And I think we have to be careful about how do we balance the growth with good infrastructure, good health care, schools, um, affordable housing for under uh, privileged uh, because we want, we're looking into long term and as, as business leaders it's really important for all of us to be thinking ahead into how can we not create a community that is too congested or doesn't have a, a good healthcare system or schools and and that's something that's really important to me as I'm thinking about how I'm growing my business and what we're doing in our communities. Um, so it's really important. I just really want to emphasize that we have to pay attention and create this state and environments that we want our grandchildren to live in and thrive in. We are blessed. This is a good opportunity we have. And it's, it's a good, uh, as they say, good problem. But we want to be, be careful. I think COVID um, 
has created incredible creativities for um, for my business and any uh, and many of other businesses were we're able to scope the projects on Zoom. We are able to meet with our clients. We um, a couple of people can drive to the site and look at it, or our surveying crews go and and create the maps and bring it in. So we are able to function very well, uh, very efficiently, and, and do a great job. Unfortunately, this is going to have a negative impact in our, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, airline industry is mm -hmm. going to get impacted as we are so efficient working from our offices and other industries. So um, there are there is going to be some impact in other industries, but from our perspective, we're able to respond to the client and really get our design work and mapping permitting done from home. Basically, a lot of our folks are still at home, and it works really well. How how is and this is a this is a general question for any of you. How is how is COVID or the public health crisis? You know, at the beginning of it, we all thought it was going to be completely different. We're all going to be remotely working or virtually working. But now as we get more clarity and we get a little bit of time and more, more of a, a reasonable approach, how does it change the strategic way that you design and deploy a project? Does it in a major way change? Anyone? Let me, let me, let me comment on that. I mean, we, we, yes, it, it comes more into play for us in the sense that for 14 years we've been developing green certified green product, whether it was residential, whether it was office or mixed use towers. And believe it or not, you know, during that 14 year period, there was probably about five or 10% of the people that really cared about doing green certified buildings. And today that number has sprung up to about 85% of the general population is more interested in what green attributes your buildings have from a hands-free entryway to uh, electronic no-touch elevators to um, the MERV filtration system and you know protecting the environment by not by using re, uh, using rainwater for landscaping so those type of things are probably more common today after COVID than they were prior to COVID so I think that is take, coming into account from from our perspective if we sell an asset uh, Ninety percent of the buyers, the institutional buyers, are mandating that the product be certified green. So that's you know that comes into play when we're trying to do a development for sure. Andy, just one other thought there. I think one one thing is the potential shift in the way buildings are designed, no matter what product type it is, but but particularly office and healthcare, we'll see some changes there. We may initially go far left, but then we'll start to moderate back to the center a little bit. The bigger shift becomes what happens as, as we force in, in a pandemic, as employees start to look again at the suburbs versus high dense downtown. Uh, do they do residential populations look at densely populated uh, downtown towers or do they start to shift more back to the suburb suburban communities where they can where they can spread out? And already we're starting to see this shift in most of the markets take place mm -hmm. where suburban is now popular again where CBD was incredibly popular over the last 10 years. Robert, what do you think? I think, you know, you, you've got, if you're not thinking about it, you're, 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 I mean, your head's in the sand, right? It, but there's so many things that we still don't control. We still don't, and decisions are going to be made that we can't make. So when you're planning a real estate project, I mean, we're in the process of designing uh, a new office building, which is definitely not the trend right now. 
Uh, however, we're building it out of cost laminated timber. It'll be the first cost laminated timber office building. It checks a lot of the boxes that Andy just mentioned from a green environmentally friendly standpoint. And we're thinking about the outdoor space and the public space and the opportunity to escape when you feel, uh, when, when, if you're worried about something like the pandemic continuing. But keep in mind, the building won't open for another year and a half uh, at the earliest. So when you think about what is the world going to be like in a year and a half, it won't be totally responding to what's happening right now. So it is, it's a risk to be making big decisions that'll, that won't be really felt for 18 months when so much has just changed in the last six months. But again, I think it goes back to the trends. Everybody has been looking, uh, whether it's been a small segment or a growing segment of the population, at, at more energy efficient buildings, uh, more environmentally friendly buildings, great public space, the ability to get outdoors and engage the outdoors. And those trends aren't stopping. So you know, the project we're working on in Columbia, the Bull Street District, all of those new urbanist trends of wide sidewalks, pocket parks, a great public space, uh, those trends, I think, all again, only accelerate. And so if you're building with those trends in mind, uh, you, you risk the, the suburban flight, uh, but it's all relative. Uh, folks coming from New York think that Greenville's suburban. Um, so you have to remember the, the relative nature of, of where we are and how we're doing it. But, but absolutely, you got to keep in mind everything that people are thinking about today and what might they be thinking about a year or two years from now. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, but Dan, let me bring you into this because how, how does the beach company think about going from tactically responding to a public health care crisis to, oh, by the way, maybe strategically we think about deploying what we've learned during this virtual working environment into a project around not just a city like Charleston that's low country and resort and all of those great things and coastal, but also becoming an urban center. How, how does it make you think a little strategically different to have that public health care. Well, a, 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 great, a great example, and all those previous points are spot on and are, are things that we're introducing um, into a project that we're gonna call home. We're building a new headquarters building. It's a marquee. It will have institutional commercial tenants. It will be a very high profile residential building all in one. So you get a number of instances where you have these various touch points and people coming together, but they're taking advantage of great outdoor space, amenities that are, are designed to, to be able to function and, and to be able to, to be utilized. But more so, I think us as an organization, um, what, what these, these past six, eight months have really shown us is one, while we can continue to perform and function and, and meet the needs and objectives of our customers and our employees and, and so forth, that there is a need to, to be together. Um, there, there is something about working in uh, the same environment that we, you, you lose something when you're remote 100% of the time. And so I think for us, with this new space, we've had to make some adjustments to that. But that's one of the things we're really looking forward to is coming back into a new environment and being able to see some of these new technologies and procedures and protocols be implemented, but something that will strengthen our workforce, our culture, and, and how we're able to deliver product to the end customer. And where, where is the new space going to be specifically in the Charleston? That's located on the west side of the Charleston Peninsula downtown at the gateway to the historic district. 
And as Andy talked about, the idea that leads, lead certified, ends up giving you a competitive advantage, is it going to be part of that project? Um, it, it isn't lead certified, but all of the contactless and, and, and limited touch point items that were, that were addressed are incorporated and are part of that. Chris, one, one of the things thing, um, that, that Robert alluded to, and I think the panelists would agree, we were in a really robust market pre-pandemic and all headed in the same direction. Mm -hmm. We are now in an evolution of new commercial real estate in North and South Carolina with the inward migration, with the changes in construction, with retail changing rapidly. And Robert said it best, when you're trying to design something that's 18 months out, it's really difficult to do that right now. But literally, we're sitting in the middle of an evolution of commercial real estate and construction in the Carolinas. Long term? I think long term. I think it has significant long term impact. Yes. Mm -hmm. Anyone have a different take on that? I agree with David totally. I think it's completely um, very well said. It is evolution. We are in the middle of that. And the challenge is we have to predict what it's going to look like. Uh, but I agree, it is definitely evolution in retail and um, office, for sure. Do any of you worry about, well, I'm sure you worry about it, but how much do you, do you weight the idea that the cost of construction continues to rise at some level greater than the uh, consumer price index? And at what point, what, what's the tipping point of the annual construction cost and raw material cost that starts to really put a, a wet blanket on this development? It really comes down to when the deal's no longer underwrite and when the lenders are no longer willing to provide a loan. So that's your barometer, Robert? It, I think that would be our barometer. I'm sorry, that was Dan. I'm, I, yeah, okay. But, but that's your barometer, both of you? It, it is um, to, to, to a certain extent. Now, there are projects where we're, we, we take a very long view on what we do. And um, you know some of the projects we look at that are very multi generational. So um, we can we can take a long view and and look and be able to justify a higher cost mm -hmm. um, if for the right project. But you know in general the industry in general are really you know it really comes down to um, does it pencil at the end of the day? And there are a lot of different factors that go into that. Well, uh, Andy, I know this is one of your hot buttons is the cost of construction. Would it, would it scuttle any of the projects that you have coming out of the ground now? Not right now. We're, we're not at that point. It, it has not stabilized, but it's slowed down from the increasing that it went through over the past eight years from about 2012 to 19. There was about a 15% increase on an annualized basis on stick built construction. Commercial construction was a little less than that. So, uh, it, you know, and construction did taper off a little bit. So that drives costs down a little bit, just supply and demand. You know, we judged a lot of our institutional partners are doing things all over the country. And uh, we, we are in the Sunbelt area. And so, so some cities are a lot more expensive than, than our cities to build. So you might have unions involved. You've got a lot more activity involved. So. Yeah, we've got to pay attention to what's going on around the rest of the country, and uh, it, it does make you it does make you get mighty nimble. Though you have to replace some products, some commodities that you were using, maybe they get a little expensive, so you got to go find something else. 
So we're having to buy product from different countries. We're trying to buy it all from America. It's, it just makes you have to work a little harder to get it in price, that's for sure. We have about two minutes left, and Robert, I didn't even prepare you for this, but I know with, with the mixed use that you do and think through, not just in current projects, but let's use the Bull Street as an example. Uh, CBL Properties is a, is a mall owner, and CBL is not the biggest mall owner, but it's pretty substantial. They own nine properties in North and South Carolina, and they are going through Chapter 11 protection. So that says something about the retail industry. Is that a, and I don't want to diminish it to say it's a one-off, but is that a disturbing trend when you're doing mixed use, when you see that kind of uh, a market dynamic? I think the, the mixed use that we do and most of the mixed use you see today, um, you know, retail is an amenity, retail is an ad, it's not driven by retail. So the, you know, again, going back to the trends that have just accelerated through this pandemic, the enclosed mall has always been viewed as something of a, of a risk, of a, of a place that, that is not as dynamic as a downtown shopping experience or a more um, integrated mixed use with folks living there. We say at Bull Street specifically, we say our goal is to create an 18, six and a half district, meaning 18 hours a day, six and a half days a week, there's something going on there. There are people living there, there are people coming to events there, there are people working there, there are people shopping there. And that kind of environment is somewhat more insulated from a retail standpoint. But if anyone's telling you they're building retail identically to how they were gonna build it nine months ago, um, I, I think that's a mistake. Uh, you know, we've talked a long time about building a theater. Uh, building a theater right now, I think would be a, a mistake. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a risk that, that we wouldn't take. But, so I don't know that it's indicative of a massive trend. Okay. Um, Robert, I'm sorry, that's going to have to be the last word. We're out of time. Uh, thank you. Uh, Seppi, Robert, Andy, David, Dan, thank you all for joining us. Thank you for staying safe. Thank you for being uh, willing to, to go through this con conversation with us. Uh, I'm Chris William, and uh, thank you for watching our program. If you have any questions or comments, carolinabusinessreview.org. Until next week, good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University. Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Bearings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. <laughs>